Hi everyone! Just before we start this episode of Bygones, the Anime Bill Rewatch podcast, we wanted to let everyone know that this podcast episode contains content that some listeners may find distressing. Take a look at our show notes for some more details onto the themes covered, um, but we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bygones Podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Annie McBeal through our 2019 eyes. And uh, whew, it's a hot one today. It is. We're in the height of summer, guys. So it's like can... heatwave central. It is. So we've got a fan on. Uh, We're going to so... do our best to reduce the background noise. Yeah, fan, hopefully it won't disturb. If you hear a slight hum in this next batch of episodes, then just... that'll be why. <laughs> it's to stop us from falling over and fainting. <laughs> <laughs> it's so that we don't have to record this in our pants. <laughs> I was all for it. I was like, Nakey is Nakey, Eleanor. We can do this. And she was Nakey's like, body is beautiful. She was like, no, I draw the line. <laughs> Man, okay, yeah. So, yeah. I don't, know what I, was say. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say apart from no. <laughs> uh, I have neighbours. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I was naked last night when I was getting undressed to go to bed. Oh, yeah. So, and I was like, <laughs> you know, like in Friends, when Rachel's like, ah, baby, ow! Oh, it's me. That's a great episode. Yes. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, um, today, yeah, uh, you've got a. <laughs> I do Somehow. have a cold. Oh yeah, I just sniffed and just realised I need to stop doing that. Um, yes, I have a cold. I don't know how this has happened in the height of summer? Like I went <laughs> to <laughs> I went to bed on Wednesday uh, feeling absolutely fine and was literally just about to put my head on my pillow and then I sneezed and an entire cold came into my head. <laughs> and I was like, what the? How's this happened? <laughs> Um, and I've been sniffing and sneezing ever since, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to cut a lot around a lot of that because yeah. it's disgusting. <laughs> I'm disgusting. <laughs> so today uh, we are uh, looking at Ali McBeal season two, episode thirteen, "Angels and Blimps." Yeah. Yeah. What a title, which makes no sense until you've watched the episode. Yeah, it makes no sense, and even then. <laughs> <laughs> Angels and Blimps first aired February uh, 8th, 1999. Near Valentine's Day. We interrupt this programme for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the 90s. The decade more problematic than it looks. The UK number one. Now, this is one where I think I will know it if I hear it, but I haven't looked it up. Okay. It's, uh, the artist is Armand Van Helden featuring Dwayne Harden. Oh. You don't know me? You don't even know me. You say that I'm not letting by. Yeah. You don't understand me. So why don't you do I'm Van Helden's one of my favourite dance artists. 
He, I mean, he's like a DJ, isn't he? So he's, I don't know if they... I literally can't remember. But I love him. And I also love the song he did a few... I was obsessed with this song, actually, a few years later, My, My, My. But not the one with the vocalist that they re-released as a single, like the original my, instrumental my, my. one. My, my, my. Whoa. That came out when I was yeah, at uni. I recognize yeah, that. and I absolutely love that song. It's so good. Um, but yeah, no, this was his like yeah. first breakout. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I knew I would. I just couldn't think of it. I love that I song. It. It's really good. The US number one is Britney Spears. Sometimes I run. No, oh. it's. Maybe one more time. Still? Well, I think, yeah, I think so. Was, oh. it, was it the same? I should have moved on. It wasn't last time that it was. I don't know. Can't remember. I can't remember. But, wow. So, okay, what was her second single? I think that was, was it Crazy? Maybe. Crazy. I mean, we'll find out because it probably went to number one, right? Yeah, probably. Or, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I... I feel like that was an early one. Maybe it's a third single. You know, like, the third single's, like, the yeah. slow one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, I was born to make you happy. No, that was after. I think was that it? was after. A bit later in the year. But, yeah, we'll find out. But, yeah, let's go on this crazy Britney Spears uh, journey yeah. together. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, so we're still at her debut single. Still yes. knocking it out the park Still knocking that. it out, yeah. On the 3rd of February, 99, um, the US romantic comedy drama Sex and the City makes its British no. television debut on Channel 4. Okay, so I didn't... I remember the promos for this coming out, but I wasn't, I old, I wasn't old enough to watch it. No, same here. Um, and I don't think I did start watching it until it was like in its second season, maybe? I didn't watch it at all until years later... Like, in my early 20s, oh, I no. got, like, the box set and watched it. When I was, uh, so, 99, I would have been coming up to 14 here. So, yeah, I think it was when I was, like, more like 15, 16 that I was, A, allowed to stay up late enough for it to be shown when I was yeah. awake. Um, and I used to just stay up and watch it in the kitchen on my own and be like, this is great. But then I had no way of, like, re-watching the first the season until years later when it repeated. Yeah, no, see, I didn't see any of it. It completely passed me by. I think when that was on, I was way more into things like Friends and... Right, uh, you were just that bit younger, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just wasn't interested or it just didn't even... I think it even came on my radar at all. Like I really liked it, and I wished that I never used to catch like every episode though, because sometimes Dad would be home and watching something that meant that I couldn't watch it, and it would really annoy me. But when <laughs> I did watch it, I'd be like, A, I felt really grown up, and B, I was like, it was the first show I'd watched that talked about sex from a woman's perspective. And so that was, like, groundbreaking yes. to me. Yeah. I wasn't getting that from well, anywhere else. It was groundbreaking to, like, TV in general. Like, yeah. not, not just to you. No, I know. <laughs> but what I mean is I was there, like, yeah, yeah. having that... I was there watching that the ground experience. being broken. Yeah, no. Yeah, my ground was being broken. Like, along with everyone else's. Like, um... But yeah, it was like, it is considered like a groundbreaking show because of that. Like, and I know it gets a lot of stick because the movies weren't brilliant. Um, no, and but, it does, and as the series does go on, it does, yeah, morph into a sort of something else. Yeah. That is very, I mean... There were problems with Yeah, it. definitely. Um, but the, the early series, uh, like the early seasons of that series, I should say, is, um, they are good yeah and just like the fact that the whole concept of 
of women's sex lives uh, being talked about by women. Yeah. Um, that being new and is then like being crazy. out to have sex just for pleasure. Yeah. Like, as opposed to like get a man. I mean, I know yeah. Charlotte was like the exception to that. But, rule, it, was, but, but it was like yeah. all of them had very different attitudes yeah. towards sex and what it meant to them. Yeah. And that that was new and then that, like, I think that did a lot for my perspective on sex just at a time when I was about to start having it yeah you know what I mean yeah um I think you know it it did a lot for women yeah no I agree I agree so salute sex in the city salute, and salute, we move salute. On. uh so <laughs> this is quite funny I found this little thing okay so 11th of February three members of production staff are suspended from BBC One's The Vanessa Show oh, yeah. following reports in the mirror that fake guests appeared on the programme <laughs> they are later sacked following an internal inquiry and then uh-huh. 12th of February the next day uh-huh. ITV's Trisha Show is Trisha. caught up in the fake guest controversy not controversy. Trisha after it emerges that the agent who supplied guests to the rival Vanessa show did the same for Trisha. Oh, no. But nice. the show's editor, Sally Ann Howard, denies any of her team were aware Sally that the Ann. guests were fake. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I guess for US listeners, the Vanessa show and the Trisha show are like talk shows, daytime talk shows in the UK at the time. Yes. It very much trying to be kind of like Ricky Oprah. Lake, Oprah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to be like that. I mean, Trisha's kind of doesn't exist anymore, I don't think, no, in the public eye. So, but no. Vanessa Feltz is still a radio DJ. She's a, yeah, she um, and does BBC bits on radio. TV, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, that's quite funny that they were like. I know. Caught up in that. It's it's interesting, isn't it? In terms of like that blatantly went on and probably still does. In yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I know that I have a friend. It's a slightly different situation, but more worrying like I have a friend who was paid by the sun to put her face to a story right like so it would have been like something like oh uh I got breast implants on the NHS or something like that that's designed to make people feel like some people are mugging off the rest of the country yeah yeah (laughs) yeah. someone's abusing the system somewhere yeah and she was paid to put her face to this fake story and it's just like that goes on. Yeah. That goes on all over tabloids. Yeah. But people don't realise it. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Well, this is the thing. People think over. fake news is a thing that's come with like the internet and like Russian yeah. spies and like bots and stuff. And it's like, no, fake news has been a thing for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Like, yeah. Like, it is all about what Propaganda. what will sell yeah. and what will be watched and what will be outraged over. Yeah. 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 And like. Yeah, no, not a new invention at no. all. So, shall we crack on with Angels and Blimps? Um, I should say, before we even start, um, I this is the episode of this batch where I did a behind-the-scenes Insta story for when I was watching it. Yes! Um, and that will be up as a highlight on our Insta channel once this uh, episode yeah. goes live. So, Insta channel? That's not a thing, is it? Insta profile? I don't know, Insta it'll be video. there as a highlight. Yeah. Um, on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, go on Instagram and look for my BTS uh, season 2, 13. Um, yeah, uh, so that was fun. I cried on camera. Oh, really? <laughs> did you not watch it? I, I think I did. <laughs> I think I did. I don't know that I watched all of it because, again, it was one of those things. So it's like, I don't want to spoil this. Yeah. 
I don't want to taint this experience. I don't want to taint it. No, I, I think I saw some of it. Yeah. Maybe all of it, but yeah. I saw some of it, yeah. So yeah, spoiler alert, things are about to get sad up in here. Yeah. So get it's, your tissues. It's a sad one today. Yeah. Like, insert sad music. Yeah. <laughs> I have that saved as a jingle on my laptop for that. <laughs> We start with happy music though. Yes. Wanda is singing Rainbow Connection, which is one of my favourite Muppet songs. It's so cute. <laughs> when Kermit sings on the log and sings it. <laughs> um, so um, we're in the hospital and Ali and Greg come around a corner in the corridor in like this loved up dawdle. They're just like... <laughs> Nowhere to be, around. you know, nothing urgent happening Neandering. in the hospital. Yeah. Like, perfect place for a loved up stroll. Romantic <laughs> walk around a hospital. <laughs> and there's all these like bird sound effects. Yeah, it's like um, Disney princess. Yeah. And Ali is walking like she's floating on air again, like the yeah. last episode. Yeah. Um, and they're just discussing about how Ali thought she might want to become a doctor, but she doesn't really like blood and... But mostly it was the outfits because she looks terrible in hospital green. Um, and then Greg kind of is giggling at her. And then Ling comes around the corner um, and Ling just turns to Ali and Ali sees her. Um, and she's like, Ali. Um, and when she sees Ling, she screams like she's startled and falls off of her like levitation yeah. perch. Um, and she just goes, Ling, what are you doing here? And it was really bitchy. And I want to throw in an unacceptable. Because this is not good. No. Um, and Ling says she's here because um, she's come to see a friend of hers, but um, who she sent flowers, but the friend died, so she's come to take the flowers back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh? <laughs> who does that? <laughs> well, you know what? This actually reminds me a little bit of, have you read that article that's going around at the moment called The Crane Wife? No, I saw you posted about it, and then I went to click and read it, but it's really long, and I was like, I'm going to have to come back to this. <laughs> It's well worth reading. Okay, it's okay. really good. But basically, she details her relationship. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just laughing at me being like, I'm going to have to come back to this. <laughs> just that gif of that woman that's sitting in her coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so it's basically like about her detailing or, or, or writing about details um, of her toxic relationship with a man that used to be her fiancé. And one of the things that she, like, tells in this story is that he once gave her a birthday card with a post-it note inside. Okay. That said, happy birthday on the post-it note. <laughs> and then he took the post-it note out and was like, well, this card is blank, so it's good to use it. <laughs> It does remind me of something that Nanny Iris would have done. <laughs> Although she, she never do did. that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is crazy. So yeah. Ling is one of those people. Um, and Annie goes to introduce Greg to her. Um, and as she's sort of stumbling over her words to be like, Greg, this is... Um, there's this gif moment of Ling turning into the alien from, from Alien. alien. And it's like... Unacceptable. What yeah. is the problem? No. I was like, Ling's done nothing. Yes, okay, she's being a bit weird about flowers, but like, the, I guess the flowers would just die with no one to see them. So it's like... 
But it's, put them somewhere better. Maybe she's going to take them to like the kids section. But also, it's that thing of like alien. Like yeah. alien has you know different connotations. Yes. Like you know, for, uh, foreign people yes. can be called aliens. Yes. Yes. So it's yes. just like like she's from another world. Yeah, it's like, just yeah. all sorts of problematic connotations with that gif, and it just is so unacceptable <laughs> I know uh, but she's like eventually gets out that it's her very good friend Ling um, and then she's like this is Greg Butters and Greg's like hello and Ling's like yes like she's got no time for this crap <laughs> she says it really deadpan and she's like well I should get these in fresher water hospital chlorine is poison and she walks off and she bumps into a man in a wheelchair <laughs> and she just goes watch out it's bad enough you people get all the parking spots <laughs> and Annie sort of like, oh, well, her first impressions aren't good, but they're usually lasting. And it's like another dig at Ling. Yeah. Um, and then Greg is like, oh, uh, like he's just suddenly remembered he's a doctor at work. And he's like, I'll be back in a second. Wait here. And he like hurries off. Um, and he goes into a hospital room with um, a small boy in bed who's bold and he's clearly very, very pale and sick. Um, and he's played by Haley Joel Osment oh, of nice. The Sixth Sense and all sorts of other things, fame. And this is right before, this this aired right before Sixth Sense yes. came out. I would imagine he filmed Sixth Sense first, though. Yeah, possibly, of yeah. Because the timelines of shooting movies. Yeah, completely. Yeah. But yeah, so this was about, just before he was about to hit, like, the big fame yeah um but yeah greg is like eric my man and the eric's like oh hey doc what's up and they kind of fist bump um and he's like oh i'm just checking in so he's just doing like a routine checkup on him to make sure he's all right Um, and he said i heard you weren't doing so good last night and eric was like oh i was puking but i feel a lot better today then annie is like standing in the doorway waiting for greg to finish and Eric looks over and he kind of sees her in this like heavenly light with like heavenly music. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and and Greg's like, oh, what's the matter? And, and Eric's like, when it's time to go, do you see an angel? And Greg's like, excuse me? And he's like, I see an angel. And Greg's like, oh, Ali, come in. This is a friend of mine, Ali. This is Eric's stall. And Eric's like, oh, hi, how are you? And Eric's like, you're not an angel. Yeah, he's like, you're not an angel, are you? And Ali's like, oh, well, sometimes I'm sweet. And I was like, when? <laughs> um, and Eric puts his hand on Ali's hand and he's like, is it time to go? And then we're in titles. Yeah, and Ali looks sort of shaken yeah. by it. I mean, I imagine it's quite confronting to see a very sick child. Generally, yeah. I've not ever, I mean, I guess, thankfully, touch wood, I've yes. never been... Um, known anyone who was a child who's been that sick um, uh, well, closely not, I don't think not cl- well no not closely this does remind me of a girl in our brother's class yeah. who died I didn't know her at all though see I did right like, because I think I I'd was, left school yeah, before, yeah yeah whereas I was in the upper years and you know how in that school the upper years would have to look after the lower years yeah. at lunch sometimes yeah so I knew her through that. Right. And she was a very sweet girl. Yeah. But yeah, she had leukemia and Did died. You yeah. Go see her in hospital when she was in hospital. No, no. no. Okay. Like, so, because, you know, wasn't you that close. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I think, I think by the time she was ill, that she, so ill she was in hospital, I think, I think she would have been about, I think she was about, 11 or 12. Right. So they'd all left that school by that point. So 
after titles, we're at Cajun Fish and Richard has walked into the conference room for the weekly staff meeting and Billy and Georgia and John are in there and Elaine's in there like prepping materials. Um, and Richard's like, okay, all set. Where's Ali? Where's Nell? And Elaine's like, well, Ali's in love. She was meeting Greg at the hospital, probably to get a hickey suction under sterile conditions. And Billy and Georgia just look disgusted. Like, um, and then Nell walks in with this, I mean, this is so weird. It's the fucking I don't weirdest shit in the world. So she walks in and she's got like brown eyeshadow with a star motif in like a sunglasses shape all around her eyes. Almost like a, well, some, um, Richard says, what's with the Rocky Raccoon look? Yeah. And it's so bizarre. And there's no explanation other than Nell just goes, oh, well, I didn't have any meetings today and I just felt like it. And I'm like, this, was this like a known fashion thing at the time? I, don't I think literally, it was. I was waiting for this to be explained the entire episode and was shocked when it doesn't get That's explained. That's the only line we get. Like, I had no meeting today and I felt like it. That's it's, it. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. I'm like, did did Portia de Rossi lose a bet? Like, I don't yeah. understand what is getting. Like, it's so it's bizarre. That kind of weird. Like, this makes no sense. It's not contributing to any storyline no it's bizarre it's like oh Nell's quirky too don't worry Nell's quirky too like like that's what it feels like mm. a little bit like I don't understand it it's very strange she's not too straight for this office because look it's she so... likes to play with eyeshadow <laughs> It's so bizarre. The weirdest thing. Um, so if anyone knows what that's about, I've had. I, a, I would think, love to understand. I can't remember. I think it might have been Benji who, when I did the Insta story for this, um, replied and was like, "What is that about?" It may not have been Benji. It may have been someone else. I can't remember. We had. I always get quite a few comments when I do the Insta stories, yeah. so I can never remember who is who. But someone said. Uh, what you know? What's that about? And I was like, I don't know. Like it's literally Let, not explained. never explained. <laughs> And I don't, I lit, I don't remember there being any kind of fashion trend for no, I don't. anyone doing that. No. Like, so it literally no context, no explanation. Well, anyway, Nell's like, gives everyone a moment to like, look at it. And she's like, okay, move on. And then Richard's like, well, as you know, the biscuit and I start trial today. We'll be out of the office most of the week. Um, and Billy's like, Richard, the charge is attempted murder. <laughs> it's like, okay, Billy, like... <laughs> Patronising We <much>. know. <laughs> and Richard's like, well, what's the point? And Billy's like, well, you've got almost zero criminal trial experience. And Richard's like, what's the point? And Billy's like, have you considered what happens if you lose? And Richard's like, Billy, if we lose, he goes to prison. We've lost his business anyway. And Richard's like, look, I hear what you're saying. And truth be told, I am a little nervous. I pack the extra jockeys in my trial bag. That doesn't leave this room. That doesn't leave this room. But John and I are ready. We're a team. And, the, and he's like, do we look like a team or what? And Billy kind of looks at John and the bells start. And then the camera kind of switches to Richard and you get the two cowbells. And then it's back to John and the bells. And then it's back to Richard with the cowbells. And then there's a shot of both of them, like shining climatically in unison. <laughs> It's just like so funny. Hilarious. It's really funny. I'm like, Billy, fuck off. Like, he's your boss. Yes, it may not be the best decision in the world, but it's kind of his decision who does what case. Well, this comes up quite a lot, yeah. isn't it? Where Billy is like super clearly but thinks her. he is like but the, the smartest man in the room and he thinks he's the smartest ramen man in every room and like and not true and it's just, yeah and <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like 
Yeah, I think he does forget the pecking order sometimes completely. But also the fact that if he doesn't like it, go somewhere else. Fuck off. Feel free to fuck off any time. <laughs> well, we all know why he doesn't, because he's yeah. got a pretty cushy with, like, completely. Ali and Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, and, you know, also jealousy with Nell, like, from Georgia as well. Yeah, he loves he having attention. women attention. Yeah, completely. So it's like, okay, but your the deal is that you don't necessarily get the, the cases you want. Yeah. And, and you have to deal with these two more. suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so back at the hospital in Eric's room, Greg is examining him, like checking his pupils and his reflexes and stuff. And Ali sat on the bed chatting with him about baseball. Um, Cause it turns out they're both Red Sox fans. Um, and Ali is suddenly good at sport again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> is she good at sport? Not good at sport. We're not sure. Last season, not good. This season, good. You know, whatever. Um, so um, she's, I'm not going to go into what she talks about baseball because it's not important and I don't care and I don't understand it. Um, but they're both Red Sox fans. Um, and then Eric's mum comes in and Eric's like, oh, this lady knows the Red Sox better than me. Um, and Eric's mum's like, oh, come on. And then Ali's like, oh, hi, I'm Ali McBeal. Um, and Julie, um, who is Eric's mum, says, hi, I'm Julie Stahl. And Eric says, she's a lawyer. And then he goes, hey, do you know OJ? And I'm like, oh, another OJ reference, yeah. like bingo, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ali's like, uh, no. And then Greg's still examining him, asking him to take some deep breaths. And Eric just says to Ali, if I wanted to sue somebody, could you help me? And Ali's like, uh, well, who did you have in mind? And Eric says, God, I want to sue God. And all the adults like look at each other. And then Ali tosses Eric's baseball like up and down with like this determined look on her face. And it in her hand, like, hmm, hmm, God, eh? God. What a challenge. Um, so then we have Richard and John at the courthouse meeting with their client. Um, and the client's sort of discussing with them like their strategy, saying like, well, maybe we should plea. Like, would she take manslaughter? And John's like, well, in order to get manslaughter, you have to kill someone. And the client's like, I tried. <laughs> and this is one of these weird quirks of the law in that if you do actually kill someone, you can potentially argue a lesser sentence by saying it was manslaughter. Yeah. But if you attempt to kill someone or someone nearly dies and they're suing you or you're getting done for murder you can't then be like, oh no, but I wasn't actually, the reason they nearly died wasn't, I wasn't actually trying to do it, like, because it was actually like, attempted, um, attempted manslaughter is not a thing. Yeah. So, ironically, if you like, yeah. finished the job. Well, because it's like, the intention, <laughs> yeah. like, is to do with the intention. Yeah. So, if you killed someone and you intended to kill them, that's bad. If you intended to kill them, but they didn't die, that is still bad. If you didn't yes. mean to No, I understand. To die, yeah, but it didn't. does lead to this weird situation whereby if you have a good enough legal team and there's enough ambiguity around it, you can get away with like actually killing someone and potentially intending getting, to, but getting it argued down to manslaughter and getting an, a lesser sentence than, than someone not dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> Completely. And that's what um, Richard says. He's like, moral of the story, next time, finish him off, you'll do less time. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Bygones. And then he sees Renee walking up um, because she's the DA on this case. Yes. And she's like, where's Billy? Um, and Richard's like, Billy, why do you need him? And Renee's like, hang on a minute, you guys are just doing this yourselves. <laughs> and John's like, your question smacks of commentary, Renee. And Renee's just like, Ugh. And she like pulls John away like and like side. away from the client. And she's like, this case isn't fun and games. And John's like, I always beat you. I will do so here. And Renee's like, if you think by letting him first chair, meaning Richard, yeah. you're setting up an inadequate counsel defence, you can forget it. 
and Renee just walks off. Um, and a lady gets out of the elevator and walks past Richard, John and the client. And they kind of stare at each other, like her and the client as she walks past and she goes into the courtroom and the client goes, she's going to be in there. And Richard's like, well, as a witness, because some of those bullets went past her head. <laughs> and the client's like, she's, she's, she's testifying for the prosecution. And Richard and John kind of nod slowly, like it's a really awkward thing to admit to them. And yeah. I'm like, why is this awkward? Like, surely this would be like... She'd be called up for the prosecution. Obvious. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get that. Like, no. It was weird. Like, wow, you are thick. Yes. <laughs> so back in Eric's room, Julie's explaining, I guess, his like background being like, um, first his, his father died. died, then he got leukemia. And then our insurance says it won't cover experimental treatment. And we asked our church to help out and they say that they can't. And he's angry. And Ali's like, God. And Julie's like, yeah. And Ali says, well, I, I don't think he can sue him. <laughs> and Julie just sort of smiles. And like, she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then Ling pops up in the doorway. And Ling's like, yes, he can. And Ali's like, Ling? And Ling's like, that was a hard L. I heard it. <laughs> and Ali's like, Julie, this is Ling Wu. She's a client of my firm. Um, Ling, this is Julie. And Julie's like, hello. And Ling's like, hello, he's bald. Does he have cancer? Like, really straight. Do you notice that uh, Julie, Eric's mum, like, holds out her hand for Ling to shake and Ling just completely ignores it? <laughs> She's just, like, very straightforward, a matter of fact. Like, hello, he's bald. Does he have cancer? And Julie's like... Um, uh, he has leukemia and Ling just pushes past both of them yeah it made me feel really uncomfortable yeah. that she did that yeah like, the way they she both look kind of put out by it yeah. as well um, and she just goes what's your name little boy and Eric's like Eric what's yours and Julie kind of sits next to Eric sort of almost like territorially like who's well, you would like, like, yeah. if, um, if a stranger just like Burst through you. <laughs> used to take my hand and then push past me to my sick child. I'd be like, uh, no. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, but Ling sits on the bed and she's like, weren't you listening? She called me Ling. That would be my name. Only with a soft L. You want to sue God? And Ali's just like rolling her eyes in the background yeah. Ling. and Ling. And Eric's like, can I? And at the same time, Ling says yes and Ali goes no. Yeah. And then at the same time, Ali says Ling and Greg's like suddenly at the doorway and he's like ma'am I'd like you to leave like to Ling and yeah. Ling's like in a bored voice without even turning around she's like I'm talking to the little boy if you don't mind and then she's like of course you can sue him and Eric's like if he exists do you think there really is a god and Ling's like of course there is who do you think these doctors walk around pretending to be <laughs> Moses and Eric smiles and then Greg goes up to Ling and kind of like puts his hands on her shoulders um, and Eric, Greg's like, excuse me. And then Ling gets up as Greg's like touched her. And she mm. says, but if you're going to sue someone, little boy, you can't lie around in bed all day. Can you be strong? And Eric's like really determined, like, yes. And Ling's like, good, because I have this great law firm I use. And at this point, Ali interrupts to like pull Ling out of the room and pushes her out the door. Yeah. And I want to throw in my objection to this. Because okay. I was like, that was, I get that Ling was like, stepping on some toes yeah but that was really violent and yeah she was not in danger of like hurting the boy or no, like you know no. he was not in any kind of danger really because she knows who she is and she's not gonna do anything awful no. to him she did not need to yank a manhand and they're always doing they it are. to Ling, and yeah. this was just like a particularly aggressive, aggressive one yeah. one and yeah. i was just like stop it stop yeah. that yeah no more yeah so yeah. that was my objection okay cool um so ling's like ow as ali like yanks her out of the room um, and eric's like i want to do it mum let's sue yeah 
So Ling's got him all riled up. <laughs> um, so the elevator dings at Cajun Fish and Ali comes out with Ling. Um, and Ali's like having a go at her being like, if you think I'm going to be the lawyer. And Ling's like, I don't want you as the lawyer. You bug me. <laughs> and Ali's like, of all the insensitive, callous, tasteless. And Nell comes up being like, what's the matter? And Ali's like, I'll tell you what's the matter. She just convinced a dying boy that he could sue God. And then Billy comes up, which is always what we need in this situation. <laughs> and Billy's like, sue God. And Ling's like, I never said he'd win. Look, Fighting beats being pitied, plus which he needs money for his experimental treatment. Do you know how his father died? And Ali's like, no. No, do you? And Ling's like, yes, I heard the nurses talking. He got hit by a falling branch after a tree was struck by lightning. That's an act of God. So we go after the church. House of God. I need to pee. And then she just walks off. And Georgia, who somehow is also there, is like, where does she come up with these ridiculous theories? And now it's like, well... She didn't make editor of Law Review for nothing, Georgette. She's almost <laughs> always right. <laughs> Georgette, I love it every time now calls Georgia Georgette. It's but it's just the way she's like off the cuff, like, didn't you know? But everyone looks confused. Everyone looks really, like dumbfounded. And Billy's even like steps closer, like, what do you mean, editor of Law Review? And I was like, just that. She was editor of Law Review at Cornell. And Ali, like almost spitting it out, like narrowing yeah. her eyes into a squint. It's like Ling went to law school? And Nell's like, that's where we met. And Georgia's like, Ling is a lawyer? <laughs> and Nell's like, you didn't know this. And Billy just like shakes, shakes his, his head, head like really slowly. And they're all just like shook. The state of the world. And Nell looks really amused. And I was like, in your faces, you dumb bitches! <laughs> like they're just always writing Nell, Nell and Ling off. And I just Completely. love it whenever they yeah. get to like get one over on Yeah, them. well they're just like, you think you're like... The bees knees. Yeah, like they really do. And it's just like, no, nah, no, nah, she could wipe the floor with all of you. Like, and often does. <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved that scene. It was so good. Just yeah. the way they were all like... <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> so, back in court, Renee is questioning a man on the stand who is saying that... We were in bed, we heard a noise, and suddenly he comes crashing through. And Renee's like, the defendant. And he's like, yeah, he starts screaming at us. I tried reasoning with him, but he was out of control. And then I saw he had a pistol and he raised it. And the next thing he was shooting at me. And Renee asked him if he was wounded. And he said twice, once in the shoulder, once in the chest. And I thought I was dead for sure. So then Richard <laughs> gets up and crosses. And it's like, at the time my client entered the premises, by the way, these were his premises, am I correct? And the man's like, yes. And he's like, you were in his house. And he's like, yes. And Richard's like, in his bed? Yes. In his wife? And he's like, well. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard's like, you know, making love to his wife. And he's like, yes. Intercourse, sex, missionary. And Judge's like, all right, cancel. <laughs> and Richard's like, how long had this illicit, adulterous affair between you and my client's wife been going on? <laughs> and the guy's like, about six months. And he's like, all the while, having adulterous sex. And he's like, all right. And he's like, was it good sex? And Renee's like, objection. And Richard goes, your honour, he testified that he heard screaming. Maybe it was her. Oh my God. And Renee's like, objection. And Richard's like, withdrawn. Probably what you said when you saw the pistol, huh? <laughs> so funny. And Renee's like, objection again. And the judge is like, Mr. Fish. And Richard's like, Sorry. You know my client very well, don't you, Steve? Can I call you Steve? And the man's like, my name's Rodney. 
I love it when Richard does that. Um, and Richard's like, just yes or no will do. Do you know him well? And Rodney's like, I do. Um, he's like, your business associates for 11 years. And he says, that's right. And Richard goes, friends even. Turns out you're no friend of his. And Renee's like, objection. <laughs> and Richard's like, Mr. Wilcox, isn't it true that when you saw this man come into the room, you were engaging in adulterous acts with his wife? You knew he was going to shoot you. Isn't that right? And Rodney's like, of course it's not right. And Richard's like, well, you've known him to be a volatile man. Why? And Rodney's like, I absolutely do not. He's a gentleman. The Harvey Kent I know would never just pull out a gun and just open fire. And Richard's like, so he must have been outside himself in this moment. Maybe even temporarily insane. And Renee's like, objection. That's a legal term. And Richard goes, I'm a lawyer. Move for cost, judge. <laughs> and the judge is like, I believe her point is the witness has no foundation to render a legal opinion. And Richard's like, oh! I see, that's right. He's a lay person. You're a lay person, right, Rod? And Renee's like, objection. <laughs> and Richard's like, withdrawn, nothing further. And then Richard goes to sit down next to John and he whispers to John and goes, I felt like I was in a zone, was I? And John's like, indeed. <laughs> and this is one of those scenes where it's like, Richard, you can do good yeah, work yeah. <laughs> when you put your mind to it. So funny. Very um, funny. So, back at Cajun Fish, Ali's kind of looking through a file as she walks past the elevator and it opens and Julie and Eric come out. Um, and Eric's really excited to see Ali because he runs up to her like, Ali, hi! And Ali's like, Eric! And Eric says, I'm here about my case. Are you going to be my lawyer? Um, and Ali's like, um, oh, well, sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. And Julie's like, I'm sorry. He wanted to come down. And, and Eric's just looking around really excitedly. He's you know, like, like in the way that kids get excited by like offices. <laughs> Always like, he looks a little bit like someone's given him a lot of sugar. Because he's like looking all around. No, like, but I think yeah. kids are like that. So we used to run, the, my last job, we used to run a, just before Christmas, usually the last like working day before Christmas, we'd do like bring your kids to work day. <laughs> and so everyone, and we'd put on, in the like event space we had in the office, we'd put on like all kid friendly like activities yeah. and it would be like a crash, like a mini yeah. Christmas themed crash. Um, and it was really nice, but people used to bring their kids in obviously when they first got to work, sometimes earlier than we were ready to set up and they'd like take them to the canteen and get them some breakfast yeah. and then bring them to us um but they would all be like hyped up just because they were at an adult office yeah like all this stuff that we're just like i mean it's just a light switch like, well, do, you it's remember, <laughs> do you remember us going to visit dad at lunch i at, do at and this reminds me of it because like the guy <laughs> there was this one guy who's got four kids that i was friends with and he brought them all in every every year yeah. um, and he'd always take them to the canteen for breakfast first which is just like a normal like workplace yeah, canteen yeah, yeah. like nothing fancy the food wasn't even that great but at breakfast they had like a like you know like at hotels where you get like a toast machine where you put it yes. in and it goes through on a conveyor yeah. belt and it pops out the other side yeah yeah. Well, these kids just thought it was like the most exciting thing <laughs> in the entire world. They were like, oh my God, can we get toast, Dad? And I was like, I've never seen kids so excited to eat toast. Like, you know, you could just buy one of those machines and have it at home. Oh, <laughs> and he was like, no, but then it wouldn't be exciting because it's yeah. like new yeah. and like, different. So yeah, like, like they just reminded me when yes. Eric walks into Cajun Fish, he was like, oh my God, paper, photocopiers, <laughs> computers, <laughs> Like running around. So, <laughs> so funny, like better than any Disney World. Yes, yeah. Um, but he spots like this basketball that's in the corner. Yeah, suddenly in Cajun Fish. I've suddenly never seen he has a basketball hoop. <laughs> but he's like, basketball, can I play? And he like runs off and some random extra's like, sure. <laughs> 
And Ju Julie talks with Ali and's like, oh, I think this lawsuit, it's given him some bounce. And Ali's like, oh, that's really great. And Julie's like, I know this is gonna sound like an enormous request, but given how little time he has and seeing how this project seems to make him feel, if there's any way, um, and Ali's like, oh, um, and she sees Ling walking past, because it's Ling that's got her into this yeah. mess. And she's like, Ling! And Ling stops, and she's like, hi, you remember Julie? And Ling's like, no. And Ali's like, she's Eric's mother. And Ling's like, who's Eric? And Ali's like, the boy who has the case against God. And Ling's like, oh, yes, hi. And Ali's like, she's just asking if there's anything we could do. And Ling's like, well, my first thought would be to bring that case before that naked, big-haired blonde thing who believes in the unicorn. She'll buy anything. I think she's seen her. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric sees Ling, and he comes running up to her, and he's like, hi, Ling. And Ling's like, Eric, hello. <laughs> Soft L next time, okay? <laughs> and Eric's like, you're going to be on the team, right? And Ling's like, oh, I'd really love to, honey, but I have better things to do. <laughs> and Ali's like, Ling. Eric looks so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and Ling just goes the thing about lawsuits Eric is you can't be a little weakling you have to be a fighter are you ready to fight and Eric's like yeah and Ling's like if you have any strength stomp your foot hard right on her foot see if she can feel it and Eric just stomps on Ali's foot really hard and Ali's like ah! and Ling's like very good I need to shop I'll check back later <sighs> I bet he was cute with her and then she turns and leaves and Eric's like she is so cool <laughs> She's not no. patronising him. And the fact that it just winds Ali up is even yeah. better. Yeah, like, completely. Kids just love it when you treat them like people as opposed yeah. to like tiny children that yes. need like, you know, patronising. Yeah, you know? yeah, completely. I think because she's so like, yeah, she's not talking to him in like down a, to a voice. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, he... It, kids do respond to that. Um, and I just love how annoyed it makes Ar Ali as yeah, well. That, yeah, the fact that Eric likes Ling so much. Yeah, Ali Eric thinks she's the best like, thing ever. What? <laughs> um, so back in the courthouse, the lady from earlier that they had that weird thing in the corridor with is being questioned by Renee. And she's played by Talia Balsam, who was uh, Mona Sterling, so Roger's ex-wife in Mad Men. And yeah. she was also, there's a film that I really like that came out when I was in New York called The Wackness. Um, and she plays Mrs. Shapiro, so the main character's mum in that as well. Oh, I don't So I recognise her from that. that as well. Okay. So she's the wife of Harvey, who's been having this affair with Rodney. So yeah. she's explaining her side of things to Renee and saying it's, it's basically how Rodney described it. Harvey came into the house, he pulled out his gun, and uh, then he started shooting. And Renee's like, Mr. Wilcox testified he heard your husband scream. Did you hear him say anything? And she says, yes. And she's like, well, what did you hear your husband say, Mrs. Kent? And she says, well, while pulling out his gun, he said, I'll kill you both. And then Renee sits and John stands and he goes to get past Richard. But Richard keeps like moving his chair. So like when John tries to go like around him, he moves it back and then he tries to go in front and he moves it back and it's like just awkward. And in the end, John just climbs over it because it's not working. Um, so John kind of crosses Mrs. Kent and says, well, when you took wedding vows with your husband, when you answered in the affirmative to honouring him, loving him faithfully, were you being truthful? And Mrs. Kent's like, yes, I was. And John's like, not to probe your definition of sex or fidelity for the purpose of this proceeding, but um, 
when you were having your affair with Rodney Wilcox, and Mrs. Kent's like, it's not something that I planned, it just happened. And John's like, but does that make it right? And Mrs. Kent's like, no. <laughs> and John's like, you deceived your husband for six months and you lied to him. And she's like, yes. And John's like, did you ever make up any stories about where you were going, who you were headed to see, why you had to be away on a certain weekend? Do you ever do those things? And Mrs. Kent says, yes, Mr. Cage, I did all the deceptive things that cheating spouses do when they don't want to get caught. And John's like, yeah, well, I sense some remorse. How do you think this affair ever happened? And Mrs. Kent's like, it just, I fell in love. And John's like, you fell in love. <laughs> and he like taps his finger to his mouth, like thoughtfully, like, what a concept. <laughs> I mean... I'm not sure of his strategy here, because she's obviously testifying with prosecution, so I'm not sure where he's going with this, but yeah. Well, I mean, at the moment, it's this this line of questioning, like, it needs to be put on the legal scrap heap already. Like, it's, yes, sometimes people will do shitty things to you, and, uh, but that never gives you the right to, like, straight up try and murder people. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, how is this helping your case? Like, it's irrelevant. But look, uh, but it, it, uh, it, their, their whole, their whole case is, but look at how they betrayed him. Yeah. Look at what they did. It doesn't matter. Though. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, well, most normal people just have a good cry and then get a divorce. Like, yeah. they don't pick up a gun. Like, I know, I know. It's right? just, yeah, it's anyway. shit. Back at Cage and Fish, Ali is meeting with Eric and Julie, um, and she's still trying to work out how they can possibly do what Julie's asked, which is to help Eric sue God uh, in the name of the church. But she said she's going to consult with, and Eric's like, calling. And Ali's like, <laughs> looks really taken aback. But then she kind of recovers. And I'm just kind of like, why are you so disgusted by the concepts of him thinking that she's cool? Like, yeah. I always want to be like, unacceptable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Leave, leave it alone. Like, he, he likes her stop being surprised by that and disgusted by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But Ali's like, yes, uh, cool, Ling. Uh, uh, but for now, even though I understand why you might be angry at, uh, and she kind of points to the sky, um, the defendant, um, what do you hope to gain by suing him? And Eric's like, well, I just want to tell him some stuff face to face. And I thought that if I sue him, after I get to heaven, he'll come up to me and say, hey, what's up with that? And then I can ask him some questions. And Ali's like, well, what, what kind of questions? And Eric's like, that's between me and him. Oh. And Ali's like, okay. And Eric goes... I think that's so, like, grown up of him. I, know. I love that. Um, and Eric then goes, there is no God, is there? And Julie's like, of course there is, sweetheart. And Eric's like, right, like Santa Claus. And Ali's like, you know what, Eric? When I was two, all I did was ask my mother for a baby sister. And Ali kind of gets up with this piece of string and she moves to the sofa and she kind of beckons Eric to come and sit next to her. So it's like a more informal chat. Um, and she says, and you know what? When I was three, I got one. And I, at this point I was like, what? How have we never heard about Ali's sister? Yes. Um, and Eric's like, just like you wanted. And Ali's like, well, not at first. When she was born, all she did was just cry and sleep. And Ling appears at the doorway while she's talking and watches from this moment. Um, and Ali continues and says, And I couldn't play with her or, or do anything. But when she was two, oh, she became so much fun. And when she was four, she could do almost everything I could do. And we became best friends. <laughs> we, we'd have sleepovers together. And at the movies, we'd hold each other's hands because we thought fear came in through your fingers. 
was pretty dumb. I know. <laughs> and when she was five, she got sick. And she died. And Annie has been fiddling with this string and it turns out she's making like this cat's cradle string on her cat's hands. cradle, yeah. And I was like, what the heck? Why haven't we heard about this? Or is she just making it up? And I don't think either of those scenarios is good. Like, yeah, this is unbelievable shoehorning of a, of a backstory here. I mean, up till now, we've no. been... We've been I led to believe. Him. We've been led to believe up till now that the greatest tragedy in Ali's life is when Billy broke up with right. her. Like I'm like, how has yeah. that overshadowed, overshadowed your little sister dying? Yeah. When when she was like what five? Well, she well would her have sister been was five, but she would have been older. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just, I'm just like, like no, huge. no fucking way. That's a huge thing to happen yeah. to someone. And we're not, we've been with you for 18 months now and you've not mentioned anything about it. Like, it would have shaped your entire life. It would have, yeah, completely. How has this not come up in therapy? Yeah. Any other therapy sessions you've seen? Like, how... So that's what led me to think, like, has she just made up this story to I don't, hate Eric? But then I'm like, that's I don't a believe, really shitty thing to do. I don't believe Ali McBeal would do that. As in the show or as the character. In, as in the character. I, Ali McBeal, would not do that. <laughs> I don't think Ali would do that. I don't think she'd make up something like that. Well, so, I didn't think she would leads, either. Which leads me to makes, believe it is real. But the, either, but that's crazy. Like, yeah, it is. It's shoehorning by it's the writer. Ridiculous. It is m mental. And I was just like, as an audience member, I feel like cheated. Yeah, completely. And I don't think... I mean, we need to keep a close eye on this, but I, I think... I'm keeping my 2019 eyes <laughs> and onwards on this. <laughs> I don't think she will ever mention this again. No. I think it will be literally... I don't remember episode. it being mentioned. No, I don't remember. So, uh, uh, but, you know, we need to be like a little sister watch. Yeah. <laughs> Ali's dead sister watch. Does it ever come up again? <laughs> it ever come up again because I think I think it's completely like I know that's diagnosis murder but like astonishing ridiculous scenes here yeah what scenes <laughs> unmissable drama it really is so she just drops that bombshell and, and Eric in this really small voice just goes what off and Ali's like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But when it happened, I stopped believing in God that day. And my parents would tell me, oh, no, he's real. But I wouldn't believe them. And then one day, it was in the fall, I looked up into the sky and I saw something I'd never seen before. And Eric's like, what? And Ali goes, a blimp. It was in town for a football game, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was. And my mother told me that it was God. And Eric's like, a blimp? And Ali's like, well, she wanted me to believe and she thought if I saw him. And Eric's like, you thought a blimp was God? Were you a really stupid kid? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Eric, for coming through this crap. Um, and Ali's like, maybe, anyway, my mother knew. Maybe. Who knows? My, my mother knew that I'd figure out that he wasn't a blimp. So she changed the story a little and she told me that God had men make the blimps to remind people he was watching because that's all blimps do. They just look down. And still, to this day, I wonder a little. Maybe God had men make blimps to remind people that he was up there. And Eric goes, well, I've never seen a blimp, except on TV. 
And Ali's like, well, God probably communicates with different people in different ways. And maybe he sent a blimp to me, but for you, well, maybe the Red Sox will win the World Series this year. Just to remind you that he's up there, looking. And Eric goes, oh, maybe he sent you. And then Ling walks away, presumably to vomit. <laughs> she looks thoughtful as she walks away. She doesn't look disgusted or, like, annoyed. Well, she just looks I thoughtful. would yeah. go and vomit. But Ali looks really touched by the fact that Eric said that to her. She's like, oh, okay. I'm an angel. Yeah. I mean, this is... I'm back, like, you've forgotten about cooling because I've told you this yarn. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, this is, again, it's one of those episodes again where it's like you know the whole i'm a special magical unicorn like this is what makes me think she might have made it up no no i don't no because the way (laughs) (laughs) no way this ends right. indicates that that whole story is real. Okay, well, we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. Okay. So, plus, like I say, I, I, don't, I don't think, think Ali McBeal, would, would, the character Esquire, yeah, would, would lie to a diet. Like, she would. I would, hope she wouldn't. That would go against everything. everything yeah. All her moral, uh, um, values. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think she would ever do that. Yeah. So, you have to. I just think there was a way of producing the same outcome with this scene without just shoehorning in a dead sister. Yeah, just terrible writing. Really terrible. Absolutely terrible writing. But you've got to remember, this is back in the day where, like, like, the idea that people would go back and re-watch what has been on before. So, like, even if I was just, like, a regular viewer just watching week by week, I would be be like, what? Dead sister? I know, but I think, like... I think continuity of character and shit like that just wasn't as big a... Uh, it just wasn't as, as considered. It couldn't be scrutinised as much. Exactly. Yeah. Because no one was going out and buying the VHS box set of Ali McBeal. It was too- no, but you would know at this stage as a viewer, if you've been watching since the beginning, you would know that this was new information. Yeah. And you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, you would. Because even if you're not looking out for it again in the future, at this point in time, you'd be, you'd like, what? be like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So it, terrible writing. It is very jarring. An F. Yeah. If that. Um, so Ali then is talking with Ling at the unisex and Ling's like brushing her ponytail at the sinks. Um, and Ali's trying to get her to be the lawyer on the case. Yeah. Um, and Ali's like, well, you are a lawyer. Like we've all just learned this from now. <laughs> and Ling's like, but I don't practice. Practice causes wrinkles. Look at you. And Ali's like, Ling, you came up with a brilliant idea. You got the boy souped up on the brilliant idea. And for whatever reason, he lights up around you. And Ali just laughs really weirdly, like almost like sarcastically at this point. She has this strange laugh. And she's like, can't you just take a day out of your busy schedule? I'm sure you could catch up by catalogue. And then Ling got, like growls at Ali Um, and Ali goes I've got the lawyer from the church coming in for a meeting but I don't think that I can sell this this lawsuit lawsuit like you can please and Ling's like okay I'll come out of retirement for one case and she looks (laughs) in the mirror and she kind of practices like she plasters on this smile and goes 
members of the jury. And then she drops her smile. And as she does say, there's this like dramatic chord. And she looks at Ali. And Ali's lip kind of twitches. And we hear like this uh, audio sound of like an animal squealing like it's been hurt. And I was like, eh? Like, what are you trying to convey with this? I think they're trying to be like, oh my God, she's like... uh, a sociopath look at how she can be so happy one second and, and it so all be fake deadpan like, next. yeah it was just weird i didn't like it yeah um so back at the murder trial the doctor is being questioned on the stand by renee um and he says he examined him for three hours and he was in a state of severe agitation but it did not rise to the level of insanity and renee's like are you sure and the doc goes this man knew both the nature and the quality of his act when he pulled the trigger and renee's like thank you dr burns um then richard crosses and he says so you admit there was quality to my client's act and the doc goes excuse me and richard's like you said he knew the quality of his act this was a quality act in your opinion and the doctor's like by quality and richard's like skip it you also said nature nature played a part here too didn't it a man finds his wife in bed with another man nature says take action Human nature, right? It was natural what my client did, even if he was completely insane when he did it. Insane, but natural. (laughs) Isn't that the crux of what we're talking about here? And Renee's like, objection. And the judge's like, Mr. Fish, the way this goes, you ask questions and you should appear to be drug free while doing so. (laughs) I think that was like one of the best judge lines in a while. Richard goes, ah, drug free, funny. I like a judge with wit. I've got a brother who lives by his wits. Half a living is better than none. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I love it when Richard makes these little digs. Um, and then he goes, adrenaline can be like a drug, can't it, Miss Dr. Burns? Ever known adrenaline to work on the brain like a drug? And the doctor goes, well, certainly, but, and Richard's like, thank you. And in your career as a doctor, have you ever been, how do I say this, wrong? And the doctor's like, wrong and Richard's like yes in all your years and many diagnoses have you ever been wrong and the doctor's like of course but I'm not wrong here and Richard's like you're a doctor who's been wrong right and the doctor's like I am not wrong here and Richard's like but you've been wrong yes or no and the doctor's like I already said yes I have been wrong on some occasions and Richard's like and on those occasions when you've been wrong did you know it at the time and the doctor looks at the judge and the judge is like meh like just drugs and the doctor's like no <laughs> oh Richard you are hoot <laughs> slippery so so um, so Ali is in the conference room meeting with the church's lawyer with Julian Eric and the church's lawyer is just like uh sorry what am I taking this seriously and it's like well lawsuits are serious Mr Gale and then Elaine has passed Ali something and Ali grabs her hand going where's Link <laughs> and then Mr Gale goes you're about to file suit against God and St Christopher's as God's agent <laughs> and Ali's like uh yes that's what we're about to do. And then Ling walks in going, hello. And I was like, Ling, this is Arthur Gale, counsel for St. Christopher's. Um, and he's a little appalled at our lawsuit and he wants to know, um... and then Mr. Gale goes, how do you expect anyone to take it seriously? And Ling's like, oh, that. And what I thought was really funny is Elaine is still in the room, just like fiddling with the coffee machine, which is clearly just <laughs> eavesdropping, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Um, and Lynn goes, oh, you want to know how I'll keep it from getting tossed or while you're, why you're settled? 
And um, Mr. Gale's like, let's start with the first one. And then it's like, Eric's parents contributed pretty generously to the church. There's no contractual quid pro quo, but I could make out an implied covenant of good faith under which we could argue a duty for the church to give back in Eric's need. He has cancer and his father's dead. And Mr. Gale's like, so you expect, and Link's like, I expect it'll survive a 12b6. As for why you're, why you're settled, you already know why. By naming God as a defendant, every newspaper in the country will glom onto it. It's one of those insipid human interest stories. And with a text under the headlines detailing how the church won't help pay for the experimental drug that could save his life, it makes my veins crimp. Come on, Mr. Gale, you'll pay out because the amount would add up to be less than the salary of a full-time publicist and press secretary, which you'd need just to fend off all the negative publicity. And then she goes, someone here ate onions, I'm allergic. Or was it you? <laughs> 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 and Elaine, like, checks her breath, like, which I thought was funny. And Mr. Gale goes, you expect us to just roll over because you named God as a defendant? And things like that, and my client has a bald head with a big smile. Add to that, his family gave to your church. The moral thing here would be to give back. We're not talking that much money, and we all know how you churches stash it. Smile at Eric, and Eric just does this big beaming smile, and she goes, okay, it's just a medium smile, but that head is bold. <laughs> and Ali's like smiling, but like incredulously, like, I did not expect Ling to be this good. Yeah. And I'm like, why not? Yeah, like, no, I know. Stop underestimating her. Completely. Back at the courthouse, Harvey Kent, the defendant, is on the stand and being questioned by Richard. Uh, Richard is doing questioning. Yeah. Um, and Harvey's saying, when I saw them, my whole life flashed in front of me. My wife, one of my best friends. And Richard's like, can you tell us, Harvey, what went through your head besides, you know, shoot them? <laughs> And Harvey's like, my head just felt hot. I went into this rage, I guess. I, I grabbed my gun out of the drawer. I, I don't remember much else. And Richard's like, Harvey, truthfully, do you wish you'd killed them? And Harvey's like, of course not. I thank the Lord I didn't. And Richard's like, but Harvey, this jury here, certainly you could understand how they might want Rodney and Sheila dead. <laughs> and Renee's like, objection. And the judge's like, sustained, Mr. Fish. And Rich is like, my point is, everyone knows when you fired that gun, you were temporarily insane, weren't you? And Renee's like, objection. <laughs> and the judge is like, Mr. Fish. And John stands up and goes, Your Honour, can I take over for the co-counsel? I feel he's being driven wayward. And the judge is like, go right ahead. And they switch. And John goes, Mr. Kent, do you still love your wife? And Harvey says, very much. And John says, in your adult life, have you ever loved anybody else? And Harvey's like, no. And John's like, do you think you ever will? And Harvey looks really emotional and he kind of looks at the ground and he goes, no. This is my... Objection! Ooh! Spill the tea. Fuck the sad piano music that plays over this bit. Like, I don't give a fuck that he thinks he still loves her. Like, no one who truly loves you would ever, ever point a gun at you. And this narrative is, like so fucking toxic uh -huh. like and it's a huge pervasive cultural narrative that is designed to excuse male violence basically yes. and it and it just it helps out of if you're doing it out of jealousy or like defending someone's honor then it's okay yeah it so helps like, no. and it helps people who are victims and perpetrators of domestic abuse convince themselves that this is just another expression of love yeah and it's just like yes and it translates to it not being taken as seriously 
as it should be when domestic abuse yes. cases go to court and you know perpetrators like, you help it you made him jealous yeah like, but, and no. perpetrators end up with you know a slapped wrist if that yeah like it, it's just no violence does not play a part in a healthy romantic relationship yeah and it is not another expression of love. No. It's an expression of jealousy. It can be an expression of possession. But you can be but jealous over something if you don't love it. Yeah, Do you know completely. What I mean? yeah. That's about ego. Yeah, like sure. yeah. It, that's not to do anything thing. to do with love. Yeah, and I was just like, fuck, fuck this narrative. <laughs> yeah, fuck this narrative. That's our new thing. Maybe that's our new tagline. Bygones, the Animate Veal podcast. Fuck this narrative. <laughs> Cage of Fish, Eric is talking with Nell in reference to Nell's makeup, and this is the only other conversation we get about it in this episode and ever again. Um, and Eric's like saying it looks a little goofy, and Nell's like, Really? Older guys kind of go for it. You see that guy over there? And the camera pans to Billy just like, reading a file. <laughs> um, looks like a Ken Kendall, and Eric's like, Yeah. And Nell's like, He likes it, but it bugs Bobby. And then Georgia's just across the office, like narrowing her eyes at Nell. <laughs> And as much as I'm enjoying Nell giving as good as she's being thrown now, rather than just being nice to them because they don't deserve it, I kind of wish they'd draw a line now under this, like, yeah. mean girl shit. Like, also, can Georgia hear what Nell just said? Because I don't believe Nell is ever seriously making a play for Billy, because, ugh, who would? Yeah. Um, but she normally only says stuff like that to get a rise out of Georgia, and Georgia doesn't really seem within earshot. I think she can. So I, 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 I think the uh, the impression that it's given is that she can hear right. her. Yeah, and I and it's I just weirdly filmed. Like she looked further away, and I was like, surely Nell's only said like she's not saying because she seriously likes Billy. She's no, saying it to Nell annoy Georgia. Nell doesn't like Billy. No, no, no. But yeah. she's saying it to annoy Georgia. But the way it was shot made it look like Georgia wouldn't have heard that. So it was like, where was the audience for it? Do you know what yes. I mean? Yes. Yeah. No. I think, or maybe it's a case of like. You know that that thing where you just get a sense that someone is talking about you. You don't necessarily. Hear yeah, yeah. It. She could see like, like her looking at Billy with Eric and then looking. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, uh, so I, yeah. I think um, that may be the kind of thing that is going for. Like, yeah, Mel's doing like mind games on Georgia yeah, yeah, yeah. to make her jealous. Like, yeah. uh, you know, to get a rise out. And of I'm her. glad that she's giving back, but I'm just like, can we stop now? I'm can so you bored. wipe that shit off your face now? Yeah. <laughs> No older guys go for it. No. Um, so then Annie comes out of the meeting room looking shooketh. Georgia is like, what's the matter? And Annie is like, the church is willing to settle our suit against God. And Georgia's like, what? And then Julie and Eric get nearer and she's like, yeah, Eric, Julie, come on in. She's like, perks up. Yeah. Um, and Eric's like, is Ling still there? And Annie's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she like waves them into the meeting room. And she's like, we're going to call Greg and he's going to call the oncologist and we'll get moving. And Julie's like, I can't believe it. And Annie's like, I can't either. And they like walk <laughs> off and Georgia smiles. Yeah. Um, so Eric and Julie are in the meeting room with Ling and Annie. Um, and Eric's saying that, I'm still not sure I believe in God but I do believe in angels. And he's looking at Ali and uh, Ling and I'm like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh. Um, and Ali's like, well, that's a start. And Eric's like, when I first saw you, I knew you were my angel. And Ali's like really touched. And she's like, you did? <laughs> and Eric's like, yeah, 
But now I know it's Ling. And I was like, no! <laughs> Sick burning! And Ling, like, smiles. Like, having got one over on Ali. And Ali's like, well, between the two of us, you're covered. And I'm like, no, Ali, this is nothing to do with you. And Ali, she looks so annoyed. It's so funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, new scene. We're at the bar. Vonda and her Iquets are singing This Old Heart of Mine by the Isley Brothers. And Ali and Greg are having a celebratory drink at the table. Um, and Ali's asking him how soon they can get the drug um, for the experimental treatment that the church is not going to pay for. Um, and Greg's like, oh, I called Chicago to see if I can get it in a day or two. Thank you, Ali. And it's like, no, thank Ling. She's an angel. And they like smile <laughs> at each other. Um, and she's like, so do you think this drug can save his life? And Greg's like, well, I don't know. It works like a smart bomb. It targets the leukemia cells. It could work. And Ali's like crossing both her fingers and like closes her eyes and is like, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, and Greg's like, you know what I'm thinking? This very second. And Ali's like, maybe what I'm thinking? And they stare at each other. Um, and then Ali snaps out of it and goes, you know, one of my New Year's resolutions. And she kind of moves to sit slowly on his lap. Less fantasy, more reality. And they kiss passionately with Ali on his lap. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because it I mean, was delightful. I mean... I think this might be the sexiest moment in Ali would feel like thus far. Like, I think Ali's really like the way she's not being like timid, coy, and like ladylike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, she's really going for it, and like Greg is like ready to receive it. And it's just like, oh my god, this is really steamy in the in the I bar. I loved it. I was just like, <laughs> like so good. Panting. Very, very cool. Whew, hot. Uh, so then the next day we have John giving his closing um, and he starts with one of these ridiculous stories that he like makes up for his closing oh, being like God, yeah. when I was 17 years old when I was 17 <laughs> I drank some very good beer <laughs> Um, and he says he was leaving school and he saw Sharon Johnson by the bike rack and I was like did you John did you (laughs) and he says she was the most beautiful girl in my class I'd had a crush on her since seventh grade and the only thing I'd said to her in five years was oops when I once dropped a snow cone on her foot but as I saw her just standing there something almost insane came over me and I thought to myself Go ask her to the prom. Now, of course, I knew she must already have a date, but just the the high of asking her, the idea of saying anything to her, you know, besides oops, I did ask her, and then she said, yes, I'd love to. And right then, on that day, April 4th, 1977, I knew that love could produce mind-altering chemicals. That part of me felt like I was I was floating. And for three weeks, as I walked around as Sharon Johnson's prom date, I did float. Humorous things seemed funnier. Joyous things seemed more joyful. Sad things I, were more sad. My life was changed. I literally felt different. So powerful the drug of love can be. And from everything I read, it was just puppy love. Imagine committing your life to somebody, your heart, and then walking into that room to see 
can't really imagine it, can we? Unless you've been through it. And if you have been through it, imagine not experiencing a little insanity. Now, of course it was wrong for Mr. Kent to have picked up that gun, but inside that moment, when he walked into that room, as Mr. Wilcox himself testified, Harvey Kent went outside of himself. Sheila Kent knows it, as I suspect do you all. A gentle, law-abiding, peaceful man committed an insane act? Now what other explanation can there be? That he himself was insane. Now love can cause you to do destructive things sometimes, believe me. Or believe Sheila. And then Richard stands up and he's like, if I might add, wait, and John just like pulls him down. <laughs> I mean, it's just a bullshit closing. We'll come bullshit. on to it in retrial, yeah, but like, it's, it's ridiculous. Bullshit. Um, Renee does her uh, closing after that. And she's just like, you've got to be kidding. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but touch my heart, I'll shoot you. Legal insanity isn't rage. It isn't anger or shock. It is the inability to, to distinguish right from wrong. When Harvey Kent picked up that pistol, he knew what he was doing and he knew it was wrong, just like he knows it now, just like his Mutt and Jeff lawyers know it. And that's an old cartoon strip. It was the first cartoon strip ever, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, and just like you know it, he shot a gun, he attempted to kill a man, their defence is achy, breaky heart, please. And I was like, well done, Renee. I'm like, thank the Lord yeah. for the gift that is Renee. The like, gift that is Renee. I just, yeah, someone needs to, someone needed to speak sense in that courtroom like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so back at Kate and Fish, um, at Elaine's desk, Elaine is answering the phone. Um, <laughs> she does it wonderfully. She's like, Ali McBeal's office, Elaine Vassal speaking. How may I improve upon your day? And I was like, <laughs> wonderful. Um, Georgia comes up as Elaine's tone goes more serious. And she's like, what? No, I can page her. Yep, okay. And Elaine puts the phone down and immediately starts dialing another number. And Georgia's like, is everything okay? And Elaine's like, no. Yeah, can I just... No. Uh, it's just Eleanor's fashion moment. It is a fashion moment. Georgia is wearing a skirt suit oh. that Ali wore a few times in the first season. Oh. But I think it's, I, it's either extremely similar or it's the exact same skirt suit. I don't know if they're the same size, but yeah, I imagine it would be... Yeah. Unless they got, like, one in her size as well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But same like, designer or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it looks very, very what similar. What is it? What's it It's worth? the grey and black one. Do you remember? No. There's a grey-black one that's very... It's really nice. Yeah. Um, Describe it. I can't... Use your words as pictures. <sighs> no. <laughs> So, new scene, we're in the hospital, so clearly that phone call was something to do with Eric. So, Ali is walking along the corridor and then she runs up when she sees Julie, who's looking extremely upset. And she's like, hey, Julie, what? And, and Julie's like, I tried to wake him, but I could barely get him to open his eyes. At first I thought he was just tired, but... And then Greg comes out of that room with another yeah. doctor and he's like, it's not good. And Ali's like, oh my God, no. And, and Greg's like, his T-cell count just drops off the chart. And this other doctor says he's not in any real discomfort other than fatigue. And Julie's like, are you telling me he's dying? 
And the doctor's like, yeah. And everyone's really like shocked and upset and Julie yeah. gets really tearful um, and Ali's getting more more upset and she's like but he's supposed to get the drugs he's going to get the new treatment and Greg's like Ali and Ali's like what happened and Greg's like I don't know and Julie's like is he awake and the doctor's like yeah you can go in he's, he's groggy but and Julie's like does he know and the doctor's like I believe he does and so Julie rushes to go in and Greg stands by Ali and, and Ling kind of arrives as well. Yeah. So then we have this montage of John, um, Renee and Richard waiting in the courthouse for the verdict. Yeah. But then Ali and Ling just waiting in the hospitals is waiting happening. Yeah. Um, so after the montage, Julie comes into the waiting room and says he'd like to see you both. So they follow her into the room where, where Greg is in there as well. And Eric looks really super pale. Like they've mm. piled on that makeup. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and when he talks, it's really faint and weak, and it's just really sad face. Yeah. And Ali goes to sit on the foot of his bed, and she's like, "Hey, Eric, you're tired, huh? Yeah. Swear. When it's time to go, you see your angel. That's what they say." Who's they? My grandfather was in the proffer business. It's all a racket to sell cheap cookies. Will you talk to me? I never feel like I have kids. But I do. Where did Ollie go? Oh, I'm right here. tearful apart from Ling who just watches quietly and yeah. she's not crying no. she's just watching and, and Julie's like hey baby I'm right here um, and Eric's like where am I and she's like you're in the hospital with me and your friends and Eric's like can you sing me my song I think I need it and Julie's like yes baby close your eyes mommy will sing and she starts singing and like Ali is crying and yeah. Ling is clearly emotional she's too she's sad like, but she's just not crying which is I was crying a lot yeah. <laughs> at this point so yeah Julie lays down next to him and sings I'm Always Chasing Rainbows which is a song from the musical Irene um, and Ali gets up and stands with Ling and Greg in the doorway yeah. so then back at the courthouse the jury's filing in for the verdict and uh, Richard goes, they're looking over. Isn't that a good sign when the jurors are looking over at you? And John's like, not when they're staring. <laughs> Which made me laugh. Um, so they, uh, judge asks the um, defendant to rise and ask the jury for the verdict. And they say, in the matter of Commonwealth versus Harvey Kent, on the charge of attempted murder, we find the defendant Harvey Kent not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. And then Renee throws her pen on her desk in frustration. I think if we'd been there, we'd just like lift the desk up and be like, no! Fuck this narrative! And like storm out. Fuck the patriarchy. Um, Harvey's obviously pleased and he shakes um, 
uh, says thank you. And, and then John and Richard both shake his hand and then they both bend down to pick up their briefcases at the same time and because they're facing each other, they bump their heads, which is funny. <laughs> then Harvey goes up to his wife that he attempted to kill as yeah. um, she files out and he's like... Um, well, actually, he didn't attempt to kill her, but she was clearly there and could have got Well, I mean, I think fire. it's very much he... Well, he said, I'd, I'll kill both of you. Well, he says, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, I never shot at you. And she's like, I know, Harvey, and I'm sorry for what I did. And he's like, oh, you and him, you're, you're still together? And she's like, yeah, because, you know, he's not shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, do you really think you're just going to, like, worm your way back in there Jesus. after this? Um, and Harvey's like, oh, again, I'm sorry. And, and Sheila's like, yeah, okay. And she's just like, like yeah, all right. <laughs> it's like the delusions of these guys. I know. Like, it's ridiculous. I know. Oh. Anyway, back at the hospital, Ling is waiting in the waiting room, but she's standing and Ali is sat down and Greg comes in and he says he's gone. And Ali's face falls and, and Greg goes to stand by Ali and then Julie comes in and she says I don't know what to he lived right up until the end in in part because of you two these last two days I don't know how to express how grateful I am and Ali just hugs Julie and mm. then Julie leaves and then Ali sits down again and says well he was right about one thing there's no god and Greg's like, okay. And Ali's like, no, no, there couldn't be a god. God wouldn't let that. And then she starts crying and has her head in her hands. And then Ling goes, we knew he was dying, Ali. This isn't the world's biggest shock. The boy had leukemia. Get over it. And she picks up her coat and leaves. And Ali and Greg are really kind of shocked by Stunned. that. Yeah. And then we have a montage where Vonda starts singing the Rainbow Connection again, but like sadly. And we see Ling walking in the hospital corridor, having just left Ali and Greg. And then she sort of sobs. And then outside, when she gets, she sort of just completely breaks down against yeah, an, ambulance. an ambulance. And that was the point where I was like, <laughs> oh! I was like, oh my so God. upsetting. And I know, like, people, like, grieve in their different ways. But, and I know that Ali is, like, insufferable at the she best is. of times. Yeah. But, like, what Link said to her was not cool. Like, you could have just not said anything and I walked know. out. Like, But I think it, I think Ling was, uh, I, think, I think Ling just finds it really, I mean, I would find it hard to have a grown woman being like, well, so I guess God is not real because this young boy just died. It's just like, right, so this is only just, the, you're like, you're waxing little about but how God is not real now. Like, But I think also like, she probably was just like, like Ali was sad and probably, you know, better with Julie than Ling was. But Ling broke my heart more in this episode. Yeah, I agree. She, because she was obviously just as affected, but she just didn't want to like play up to it like Ali does. Like yeah. a lot of the time, I don't think Ali necessarily intends it that to way, make but she a likes performance of it, and she likes to make it about her. Yeah, all the time. Like, and Ling's like, this is not the time for that. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I can't be here while you do that. I'm gonna while go you, and have my you, grief elsewhere. Yeah, like, and so I don't blame her because I probably, I probably wouldn't have said what Ling said. No, I'm not that, like brave I guess but no. um and I care a bit more about what people think of me yeah I, but, uh, but I mean, Ling doesn't and she just like was like fuck you and like walked out yeah but I just think 
Yeah, because I do think what Ali starts to say is like proper insufferable it as is. well. And the whole way through this, she's been more concerned about the fact that she's not actually been as concerned about Eric's well-being as she has about her own in terms of the fact that she's been like, well, he doesn't think that I'm his angel. <laughs> that means I've got to prove that I am. Like, that's the thing she's been most yeah, worried about. Whereas yeah. Ling has been solely focused on Eric. And making and him feel better. And she knows that this will help him feel strong. Yeah. Because she's, like, just got that, like, she intrinsic sense see. and can tell, like, that's what kids respond to. Yeah. And Ali can't stand it and hasn't been able to stand it all episodes. So yeah. I'm like, you do not get to, like, have a monopoly on this, like, grief time. Yeah, 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 And, like, yeah. And, and Ling knew if she'd stayed in that room, that's what would have happened. Everyone would have been like, oh, Ali, oh, this is so sad for you. And it's yeah. like, no. Like, I, yeah, I just think... I'm a bit like Ling in that I find it very hard to cry in front of other people. I don't so like I would crying probably in front of other, leave. I don't to do like that. crying in other people in front of other people, but it happens relatively often. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, sometimes I, there's situations where you can't help it. Yeah, but, I mean, I think I I I find it like I don't mind crying in front of other people if it's something to do with like I'm watching a TV show or a film, but or like a, a book, real thing or, like, that's happening. To yeah, you. a real thing that is happening to you. I don't like crying in front of other people. Whereas Ali seems to kind of just get off on that. Yeah, kind of she attention. does. Yeah. And I think that was what Ling was responding to. She was like, yeah. I'm not doing this. Yeah. And like, she went outside to cry. And like, her breakdown against that ambulance, I was just like, ah! Well, the way she like, because she starts kind of running yeah, to, to, kind of to, to get out of the know. hospital. Yeah. Like, to get away from the hospital as fast as she can before it's she horrible. proper breaks down. Like, because she actually has to stop and, like, lean against yeah. the ambulance. She's so upset. Yeah. Like, and it is. It's super upsetting. It's really yeah. sad. Um, so then the scene fades into the bar where Vonda's singing and Richard, John and Harvey are sat having a drink looking glum. Um, this is all still montage. And then we have Eric in his hospital gown kind of glowing being led away by a grown-up hand, like, down the hospital corridor, and he kind of fades away. It's very similar to how they show ghosts going to heaven in the movie Ghost. I don't know if you've yeah, seen that. Yeah, I really could have done without that scene. Yeah, it was, it was, like, super twee. corny. Yeah. So corny. Um, but it was very much like the movie Ghost, and yeah. I was just like, this would have packed a better emotional punch if you hadn't Had not that. put that in, <laughs> yeah. Like, we understand that he's gone. Yeah. yeah. And then Billy, in Cajun Fish, comes out of the elevator, and he's looking for Ali, and when he finds him on the mezzanine, the music fades out, and he's like, Ali? And Ali's like, oh, hey. And he's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, yeah, just one of those days, I guess. And Billy's like, is there anything I can do? And I was like, I wish there was. And Billy's like, why don't you come on down to the bar? And Ali's like really tearful, like, and she says, I don't think the bar's gonna do it for me tonight. And she says, you know, personally, I should be feeling lucky right now. I mean, he was dying. He was gonna die probably, no matter. And by a stroke of luck, stroke of good luck for me, I got to meet him first. Not everybody gets to go face to face with their angel, you know? And Billy's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walk you home? And Ali's like, um, 
no thanks, I'm going to go solo. And Billy's like, okay. And he leaves and I'm like, thank God. Yeah. The last thing we need right now is Billy walking out of the home. <laughs> like, no. No. <laughs> so then Vonda strikes up seeing Starry Starry Night by Don McLean and she kind of fades into, um, the scene fades into the bar where she's seeing it and Nell comes through with a drink and she sees Richard sat. she's finally got like crap off her face oh I didn't notice that yeah she's, she's, she's in the bar and it, I think she's in the bar though it makes no sense that it was ever on her face in no, the first place I don't know like, I think it must have been a bet of some kind I think she must have lost a bet yeah like I, I can't so imagine why else she comes through with a drink she sees Richard sat at a table and she's like hey did you hear from Ling and Richard's like I called her she said she had to do something and Nell's like, is she okay? And Richard's like, I think, I don't know, I'll, I'll try her again. He tries to call her. So then we have Ali walking down the street as Vonda continues singing. And she stops because she sees a blimp in the sky that says, just looking. And then we see <laughs> Ling across the street who has seen it. And... Ali is, and then she kind of walks away and then Ali is stunned and she just keeps looking at the blimp and that's like the end of the scene. And I was like, is that implying that Ling organised the blimp? Because I don't think I got that the first I think, time I ever watched Yeah, it. I think it's trying to say, I'm like, did Ling pay for a blimp to fly over Ali to restore Ali's faith in God? Because it's fucking bonkers <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say I didn't I remember the first time I watched it I was like huh? a magical blip like I didn't get that Ling was supposed to have yeah, organised it I think because she's watching Ali but watch that made more sense watching it now yeah she's um, watching Ali watch so but she somehow worked out the route that Ali walks home and arranged <laughs> If you forget about the logistics of it, isn't that nice of Ling to do that? It's bonkers. Isn't it's it nice fucking bonkers. I was like, oh, I didn't get I, that it, the first It time. is supposed to be like, see, she's not she bad. She's nice. She's a nice person. It's like, I already knew that she yeah. wasn't a bad person. Yeah. So like, I just, yeah. So I, I was just like, well, this is mad. Yeah. And I don't believe Ling would do this. Well, like, because I, I don't think, think I don't think Ling cares enough about Ali's faith in God. But I think the whole point this. is that we think Ling doesn't care enough, but actually she does. I don't think she gives a well, shit. Well, I liked Ali. it. I, I I didn't buy the logistics. I thought, but it, I was thought it was completely nice. mad. I thought it was nice to say that Ling would do something like that. I yeah, I don't mind. I, I, it's just bonkers. And Emma's <laughs> like, fuck this narrative. <laughs> fuck this narrative. <laughs> fuck this blimp. <laughs> fuck this narrative. Fuck, you know, the uh, narrative that it's bad for someone to lose faith in the idea well, of the Well, there's that like, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But then the episode ends, one final note I have, that's with a, a card that says, in memory of John G. Heath Jr., who is someone who worked with David E. Kelly for a long time. Um, and he was the construction coordinator for Ali McBeal. And what had happened was he had been diagnosed with cancer about a year ago and he'd passed away a few weeks before they aired uh, this episode. So, oh, so. Sad times. Oh, well. Um, okay. So yeah, sad episode. Sad episode. I haven't cried on this podcast, but when I did the behind the scenes Insta stories, I was like blubbing like a baby. Yeah, no, I was crying through yeah. the episode, definitely, when yeah. I watched it. Yeah, completely. 
I think it's the one that comes closest in regards to like the sadness. Like yeah. Olympics of Hallie and Beale is the closest, <laughs> <is> the closest <laughs> to like um, a boy to the world in season one with yeah. Stephanie. Like, yeah. I don't think, I think that's the last time yeah. I cried as much. Definitely. Yeah. An Hallie McBeale episode. So, so it was a yeah. good one. Yeah, it was. And it was one that I remember watching and was looking forward to getting to, to rewatch again because okay. Hayley Joel Osmond is just adorable. Mm. Yes, he's he so is. Good. Um, and, and I just love that the showcase of Ling. Yes. Um, because not all the other characters were quite peripheral. Like, they didn't really do much in this, apart from John and Richard, who have their murder trial. But, yeah. like, this was really a good episode for Ling. I just loved how it showed how she was with Eric and that she's, like, good at law. And, yes. like, also has a heart. Has a heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah completely. Retrial. Um, are we going to do Commonwealth versus Harvey Kent? Well, I or thought, are you going to do the church? But I had, like, both. Oh, okay, okay. I just thought about Commonwealth, but I can think of things for the church. So, with Eric's case, I was just like, well, you can't sue God, because, spoiler alert, he doesn't exist. He is like Santa Claus. <laughs> but Apologies I'm not... to people who are religious. <laughs> but I'm not against the idea of making organised religion Accountable. Um, help people who have genuinely supported and literally invested in that institution like and you you cannot tell me that most mainstream religions couldn't afford to do it yeah like have you seen how much money the catholic church has like yeah it's insane they didn't say whether he was catholic or not did they but yeah no but but most mainstream religions yeah definitely could do this yeah like it as long as you could prove that, like, because in this case, Eric's family had, had, had definitely, yeah. like, throughout their lives, contributed, you know, regularly to the church. Yeah. Like, you're telling me you can't do anything? It was just the fact them. that it was set up as a, a case against God with the church as God's agent. I'm like, no, just see the church. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, completely. So, what about Commonwealth versus Harvey Kent? I have a lot to say. Okay, got this. So, um, first off, Harvey Kent, I wonder if... Batman. Well, I wondered if this was a Batman reference, because obviously Harvey Dent is Two-Face. Yeah. um, Because he is this harmless, mild-mannered man one second and, like, homicidal maniac the next. Mm. Like, uh, I wondered if it was a reference to that. Maybe. I mean, it's very close. Yeah, it is. Um, But anyway, like... Obviously, he should have been found guilty. Yeah, I mean, you can't just shoot people. Yeah, the, <laughs> they, their entire case is that uh, rests on the premise that this is a crime of passion. Yeah, and and that yes, you know, Harvey Kent did try to kill a man, but he was provoked. Ergo, it's not his fault, and it's just no. like bullshit. Yeah. Like for every person who turns to lethal violence and faced with provocation yeah there are thousands upon thousands who absolutely do not yeah and cheating is not that rare a phenomena no. like uh, most people do not immediately turn to murder as a coping mechanism so the but i caught her in bed with another man excuse, so i cannot be held responsible it's just for my like, actions so what yeah and and yeah. like it's not an excuse at all and 
that defense of provocation should be put on the legal scrap heap because it comes the history of it yeah. is it comes from a time where noblemen noblemen would would fight to the death like yeah. in a duel yeah like it's the tender commandments yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and it's just like yeah so from a time when it was socially acceptable for men to kill someone for just besmirching their <laughs> honor like it is so it's ridiculously like your honor out of touch. is that not that good that it's not worth besmirching like besmirch away yeah like <laughs> this is not the world i can besmirch in. your honor into the ground and yeah. you still don't have the right no, to cover me with a gun not the world we live in anymore yeah. so this that is the history of this defense and it's and it's Stupid. ancient and it should be thrown away yeah and also the other thing is like I think because our understanding of mental health and human psychology yeah. has come on leaps and bounds. The, the whole, legal defence of insanity. The whole notion of a crime of passion yeah. should be scrapped too while we're at it because the idea that a nice, normal, mentally healthy person can just snap one day when yeah. provoked is pretty much a myth. Yeah. Like it it like men who kill their wives, girlfriends, exes, like will nine times out of ten have a long history yeah. of violence with most, if not all, of their romantic pro- uh, partners. Yeah. But even when there is no evidence of a history of violence, what criminal criminologists often do find is yeah. that people who kill someone on an impulse uh have often either fantasised about killing that person, the specific person, or just killing in general. And when you dig deeper into their life, they are often people who have never handled any kind of conflict well or in a healthy way, and rather than work to understand and maybe find a compromise to overcome a problem, these people's first instincts will be to seek to control the person they feel is causing the problem through intimidation or manipulation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if that person won't be controlled, then it is totally within character for the killer to turn to murder and annihilate, like literally annihilate their problem because that is the The ultimate form of control, isn't it? Taking a person's life is, is the ultimate act of power and control. Yeah, yeah. And so all this to say, like, just because someone is presenting as, you know, to quote John, a gentle, law-abiding man, like yeah. Harvey Kent, doesn't mean they actually are oh, yeah. this person. Like, yeah. all of that happens in their personal interactions that, you know, a friend may never even no. notice or yeah. pick up on. Well, the other thing that it made me think of is the fact that, um, and I know this is a controversial topic, so I hope we don't get like hate from it, but I hope people that listen to us know like our general outlook on life. Um, the gun laws in America, yeah, it's like, it shouldn't be that easy for someone to just pick up a gun and shoot <laughs> no. someone. Like, that's just like... Like, it's basic common sense the world over, (laughs) apart from in America. Yeah. Like... (laughs) Um, And I know if someone's got, like, murderous thoughts, 
anyway, they will try and find a way, like not just if they have murderous thoughts, they're bound to be a killer, but do you know what I mean? If someone's going to go to the lengths that he went to to want to pick up a gun and shoot someone, they may well, if they haven't got access to a gun, find another way of doing it. But the point is, guns are such a easy way to cause huge amounts of damage yeah. like all it takes is someone pointing a gun and pulling a trigger Point and shoot. Yeah. the other methods that you might want to inf- act out your murderous desires have a lot more uh friction to them for you to actually yeah it involves you have to you have to be in close, close range proximity you, yeah you are likely Strength. going to need to be yeah. stronger yeah. physically bigger yeah like I mean, there's a reason why guns are used for things like law enforcement and stuff, because they don't require you... It's an easy way to kill people. Yeah, it's Um, it's a very easy method. Yeah, Yeah. low barrier to entry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So maybe let's not give access to people to be able to do that. Yeah, widespread access And act on their, like, uh, you know, basest of bad instincts. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe that Just a thought. Uh, yeah like yeah yeah. completely verdict of the week the jury's back (sighs) eric oh you've gone for eric not guilty i mean of course he's not guilty because he is a sweet baby angel and it's just not fucking fair no it's not fair when children get ill and die it's just not fair no and well done i have to say well done to Haley joel osmond for being like how that is he that good incredible child actor wasn't he like he was so good such a good I mean I'm not saying he's not a good actor now I just don't think I've seen him in much no, stuff well because he grew he was a very cute child but he grew up to be a very odd looking adult don't say that <laughs> my listen I don't I've tagged him in Twitter oh, sorry I tagged him on Instagram when I was doing my stories so I don't think he looks that odd okay <laughs> he's like a human adult man um but yeah um and so i think he was brilliant like one of the best guest oh, stars brilliant. they've had yeah like, wonderful like prophetic casting to get him just before he hit the big yeah time. yeah um but yeah i have gone with um ling as not guilty for being exactly what eric needed yeah and being cooling cool yeah definitely definitely so I think that's the first time we've both gone with not guilties. Is it? I'm gonna it check that be. now because I, I don't believe be. you. We're not that mean. I am. <laughs> I am. Hang on. Do you mean this season or do you just mean generally? I think generally. No, it's definitely not. True. Oh, okay, you're incorrect. We both found. Um, I mean, most recently we found Ali and Nell not guilty in. Um, you can ne- you never can tell. We found Nell and Georgia not guilty. In <laughs> like, just looking. I have a list of instances. We found both found <laughs> Stefan not guilty in Happy Trails. Okay, okay. So three times this season, okay. um, and right. one, two, three, four times in season one, we both found someone not guilty. I like. I feel like this is the first time you're like, and I feel that. of this uh, t- 
tearjerker of an episode, you can let us know. As always, uh, we are available for all kinds of chats and shooting the breeze um, on anything <laughs> Animobile. <laughs> shooting the adulterous couple. <laughs> we are available for bar mitzvahs. <laughs> I mean, I'm not anti that. Um, so we're available on Twitter at Bygones Podcast, on Instagram at Bygones Pod, on Facebook, search for Bygones Podcast, and you can email us at bygonespodcast at gmail.com. And if you really love us, you can become a patron of us at Patreon, uh, which is for as little as $1, you can get early access to episodes and bonus content and all kinds of lovely Lord stuff. Um, but until next time... Bye, Bonds! Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide.